You're listening to The Author's Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are, at this moment, standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. If a client came to me and was like, I want to do an Amazon bestseller campaign. And my goal uh, from doing that is to sell a million copies within two months of it hitting, you know, I, I would be like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Parshel Tashi here, and I am so thrilled for this episode. You're in for a treat. I'm joined by none other than Tyler Wagner. He's an entrepreneur and podcast host, and he founded and started a company called Authors Unite. It's a one-stop shop for book writers that aids in all throughout the process of writing, publishing, and successfully marketing their books. They've helped countless authors in this process and helped them sell thousands upon thousands of copies of their book that have gone on to become best-selling authors. And so I'm so thrilled that he's with me today. We go deep. <laughs> we talk about so many options, right, that are there for authors who are looking to market and sell their book. And you're going to really walk away with some really interesting strategies and insights that are going to help you you know, strategically get your book in front of as many people as possible. That's what it's about, right? Um, I'm so, this conversation was just so good for those like myself who appreciate the marketing side of of what happens in this process. I think you're really going to enjoy this and hear some really good stories about how he got started in this, as well as break down a couple of authors who orchestrated the most amazing way to market and sell their books and grow a business from it. And so you're going to enjoy this. And, and, and I hope that you're able to connect with Tyler after this episode, the information will be all throughout, but let's jump into the interview. Thanks for being here. All right, Tyler, thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today on the author's leverage. Excited you're here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, so let's get started. I've already introduced you before we got into the interview portion here, but tell us like a fun fact about yourself that most people wouldn't know. Um, okay, actually, you know what? <laughs> what I'm saying is that doing what we're doing right now is actually, I believe, might be my favorite thing to do. Yeah, like I love like just open conversation interviews like I, I this is what i like doing and the, and the thing for me is because it's kind of like adventurous in a way like when something's mm. like land um then you know you know the outcome which right. you know, in business obviously you want to do that sometimes but when it comes to an open conversation interview 
you know, I have no idea where this is going to go. And that's exactly how I want. <laughs> I know. know? It's, it keeps you on your toes. That's for sure. And it helps you to, I, I love it too. Like being in that position where you can think and just kind of be on your, like I said, on your toes. It feels like, uh, yeah. like playing a sport or something. You don't know what's going to come, but it'll yeah. be good because you're going to take a swing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you try things as an individual, I think you just, you, and then if you step back and just notice how did I feel during and after that, that mm. podcasting is one of those things, whether I'm on this side or your side and doing the interview, I just found like afterward, I'm energized. I love it during I'm energized. Um, so yeah, I think that's fun fact. This is, I, I'd rather be nowhere else, but here. That's hey, I, that's, that's really sweet. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. So uh, your story is incredible uh, in terms of how you got into the space that you're, that you're in now. Mm-hmm. And I know that for most of the audience listening, it all started from, from what I remember, reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And that yeah. sort of like <laughs> got you going down that path. So tell the audience your story in that regard and uh, what happened. Yeah, so I was 19, 20 years old. I was in my, I guess I was like first and a half, so like three semesters in, um, so on to my second year about in college. And I, uh, a couple friends, like what had happened is I had one friend say, dude, you got to read this book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't even like reading. I still was like at that stage where I was like, I had never yeah. actually read a book yet that I really liked. So I thought I didn't like reading. Um, and so then two, three more friends are like, dude, seriously, read the book. And I was like, okay, okay. I'll do it. Uh, I'll take one weekend off of partying at that time. I was, you know, typical college 20 year old. Um, so then I, um, read the book and literally what happens is about, took me about two weeks after reading the book, I call my guidance counselor and I was like, first I, I kind of, uh, tiptoed in and I was just like, is there a major of like entrepreneurship at mm-hmm. the college? She says, yes. And then I ask a little bit more. I was like, so what does it entail? And she's like, well, it's like a management entrepreneur major. And I, and, and the way she described it, it just seemed kind of lame to me. So I was like, <laughs> not what I wanted, not what I wanted. I shouldn't say lame. It's just like, and essentially I, I did the calculation in my head and I was just like, mm-hmm. college isn't right for me. And part of the four-hour work week uh, in that book, he talks about worst-case scenarios. And that was one of the life-changing things from that book is that it made me realize that my thinking of dropping out in my head, I was thinking that worst-case scenario was literally almost like dying. Like I was mm. just like, what if I don't make it? Like everybody's going to think I'm a failure. It's going to be awful. <laughs> like I can't drop out. Um, and then after reading that book, I realized worst case scenario is I end up back at my parents' place, you know, with a nice pool and chilling, you know, like that's not that bad. (laughs) I was like, I can do that. Yeah. So yeah. Right. So then I drop out and I decide I want to be a public speaker. And then I write a book uh, called conference crushing. And it's basically about how to network at events because my way of learning after dropping out of school was then reading books. Like once I found that one I liked, I just went on a tangent. So Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill was my second. And then hundreds, maybe over a thousand later, now I'm like audiobook all day, you know, just like listening. Um, uh, so either way though, I write a book, it hits Amazon bestseller. I come from a small town an hour north of Philadelphia. 
So kind of one of those towns where it's like, you know, anything significant, everyone knows. So dropping out everybody, like I had people reaching out like, dude, are you okay? Like, like, I don't know, like, are you on drugs or something? And I was like, no, you know, like, this is seriously, you know, because that it just to a lot of people it didn't make sense. Right. Um, so then six months goes by and I'm a best selling author hmm. and people are like, what the heck happened? Like, I thought he was like going down a bad path. Um, and then long story short, basically I get hundreds of Facebook messages. This was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, it was like 10 years ago. Uh, you know, Facebook, your post organically went a lot further, you know, now uh, you kind yeah, of, they, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, you know, I posted bestseller and I would get like 400 or so likes and like hundreds of comments. And then, um, I started getting hundreds of messages, people asking me, how did I write, publish and market the book? Um, helped a few friends for free. They got the same result. And then I basically stepped back and I was like, what is the biggest pain point in this industry? And what I, what I believe it was and is, is the marketing. Um, so then I mastered how to hit the bestseller list, like New York times, wall street journal, USA today, um, Barnes and Noble and Amazon, there's five major ones. And then basically built authors unite, which is what's on my uh, shirt. And 10 years later, we've like, you know, thousands of clients and I had no idea. I did not plan this at all. I fell into it completely. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now we're, it's all led up to this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're glad you wrote, you've, you've read that book. Oh, yeah. No, I, I still can't believe like I, I think with reading books, what I've discovered is it's not just the content of the book, but it's also the time in your life when you read it. Right. So if I hadn't read that book at that time, I may have actually gotten a college degree and I could be working in corporate America right now. Like that's wow. actually very, pretty crazy. So Does Tim Ferriss know that? Have you connected with him and shared that story with him? Okay. So, yo, I left out a big part of this, okay? So this okay. is so fun. But remember when I said with the conferences that I um, started going to conferences? So what I would do, I, I wasn't paying for them because I, I was 80 grand in debt when I dropped out of college. So what I did is I would reach out to conference coordinators um, that were putting on events and I would say, hey, like I am an aspiring entrepreneur, but I was honest, but I'm 80 grand in debt. Can I help you uh, in any fashion with putting on your event in exchange for me coming for free? So literally the first one I reach out to, Tim Ferriss is the keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, okay, ready? This is how crazy this aligns. Then what happens is, the coordinator, his name is Jason Gaynard. The event was Mastermind Talks uh, up in Toronto, Canada. He gets back to me next day and he's like, you can help me get sponsorships for the event. And then I'll fly you out here and you can come to the attend, uh, to the event for free. And then like, you know, you can help the speakers. And like, so literally six months later, I'm backstage with Tim Ferriss. <laughs> That's how crazy it was. Right? Man. <laughs> I'll say the only sad part of that is that um to answer your question is I was such a fanboy. I still am, but like I'm not as like nervous around people mm -hmm. like that. But him, I was like very nervous. So I didn't I just what I remember is I gave him a handshake and I basically just said I was a big fan, but I couldn't like get the words out of my mouth to tell him like how big of an impact. Like 
literally like you're the reason i'm here right now dude <laughs> like you're it <laughs> so, you, you have um, to send him this podcast that's all no i think i really should <laughs> i've told the story before but this is one of the better ways i've said it so this is good <laughs> awesome awesome well tell me like because it sounds like when things are happening that quickly and that you know magnetically for somebody it's like you're really turned on to something and yeah. and i'm curious what you discovered about yourself in that process yeah. So like what I discovered is like, I love this, but public speaking was actually not, and it could be for me in the future, but it wasn't as much for me as I thought, like being just on stage and having hundreds of people look at me is still a little overwhelming. It's not the type of interaction mm. I like. I'm more like the conversation. So what I just basically started to notice about myself that I, I, you can try everything and, but you have to take the time to reflect on how you feel about each thing. And I think people are so, um, like gung ho on like the result of like success that they will actually, and this, this happens to a lot of people, they'll be in a career for like, uh, tens of years, um, decades, literally. And then they look back and they're like, I didn't enjoy any of this. Like I did Mm. this all for money. So that's how I was able to start pivoting very quickly and get into my zone of genius, if you will, is I just kept trialing and airing everything. And then I just discovered, I was like, okay, love books, love podcasting. Let's build a business that involves those two. And then as they say, you'll never work a day in your life. Technically, there's still some little things that, you know, you don't, you don't enjoy every second of running a business, (laughs) but like (laughs) most of it. No, I understand yeah. that. That that's such a great uh, a great way to that we all can sort of navigate our lives, right? Because otherwise, it's like you sacrifice the joy of living, the joy of being here for, like you said, this result that you think you have to go for. That you know that you assume you have to sacrifice your own happiness in order to have. But what I hear you saying is like to actually use that as your sort of like your north star, so to speak. You can navigate in a direction that's gonna result in just more magnetic experiences like that. Yeah. And I think to really drive it home, that point is that I think it would help the audience is a lot of people. I think when you hear the term, like find your passion, mm-hmm. they think it's more of something that they really have to like search. And I'm not saying that can't work, but for me, I, I feel like if you want to get there quicker, just try everything. Like my, my major in accounting before I, uh, my major in college before I read that book was accounting, a very anti-social um, activity. Okay. So I thought I was going to be an accountant, Wow. <laughs> you know, so I tried it, hated it. And then the complete opposite is like podcasting, loved it, you know? So it's like, if I, but if I never did accounting, I maybe would have never realized that podcasting was a passion. Uh, I needed that reflection of like pain and misery to like, <laughs> oh, this feels way different, you know. Like this is so. Um, no, that's yeah. Just experience as much as you can, and then reflect on it. Basically, I love that. I love that. So let's shift gears here and talk more to uh, uh, some of the book marketing tactics and things of the nature. So I know that you're a big proponent. We talked a little bit before about how when you're writing a book, ideally you should also have marketing in mind right from the start. So can you talk about like what that actually looks like and how, how more authors can do that and incorporate that in their writing process? 
Yeah, for sure. So I'll actually use an example of uh, one of my clients because I think he did it so unbelievably well. Um, the book's called Digital Millionaire Secrets. Um, and actually, this is exactly part of what you do, like with courses, right? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, what he, he had, a, he already had an eight-figure business before he came to us. So like he had the business and the sales funnel perfectly set up, tested, like knew the conversion rates and everything. Then he hired us to do a USA Today Wall Street Journal book launch and we crushed it. Like, you know, we do a lot of them. So we know what we're doing in that regard. We send a lot of traffic. I think he sold, I think it was like 12,000 copies in a week. And um, he actually four or five times, I was on his podcast and he said this, I didn't even know it until I was on his show. He like four or five times his investment in us that same week, but it wasn't from the book sales, right? It was from mm-hmm. his course. So his course was 10 grand. When we do these campaigns, the ebook is at 99 cents. So even 12,000 sales royalties, you're making like five grand or something, if my right. math's right. right. Something like that. So like what had happened though is he got a bunch of opt-ins that converted into that $10,000 course. Um, so my point to bringing that up is that most people, when they get to us, cause we offer like services all the way from ghostwriting to marketing your book, but we do mostly marketing. That's what we're known for is the author gets to us and their book's already complete, which is fine. We can still deliver the result that they want, but they're not going to get that ROI like he got. Right. And it's because they should have first thought about the marketing before they even started writing. And because then you can form the book as the engine to take your reader on a journey to the destination where you want them to go. Um, And when you don't do that, um, what happens is like, when you think of the marketing afterward, what, what tends to happen is actually the author realizes that they would have wrote the book differently. You know, and that, but then they're already so far down the path that they're not going to like start over. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I would say. If I can give any advice to somebody who has not started writing yet, is like really think like what is the end goal here, and write write the book in a way that will get your author or your reader to that goal instead of vice versa, finishing the book and then trying to figure out marketing. Yeah, absolutely. There's such a, a huge like a perspective shift. Because everyone thinks just to put out information first, but now we really have to take a step back and see a much bigger picture and how it fits into not just how to market it, but I think also how it fits into other components of your business. Like I kind of call it your your learning ecosystem, so to speak. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think too, it's like and, and really discovering what that goal is. Like not not everyone we work with has a business. Like some of them are. It's just a passion project. Like mm-hmm. there's so many reasons. And that's totally fine. I just think like getting clear on that before you spend, you know, I don't know what the average is, but for someone to write their own book with everything else that's going on in their life, I'd say normally it's at least six months to a year. Um, some people like Tim Ferriss, he talks about, I think his book took him like five years or something to write. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you imagine like five years of your life and then getting to the end and being like, darn, mm. I would wrote this way differently if I had thought about that. You know? I know. Like, that, 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 time, that time component is something else when you think about it. Uh, and that's one of the, the, the pieces that I share with the authors that we work with is like, 
you know, when it comes to leveraging your book and getting some other elements in place, you're going to use a fraction of the time to do that, make more from your book than it took you to write it, you know, Uh, just a few tweaks and shifts. So if somebody already has a book that's out and they're trying to get more from it and do more with it, let's say they've released it a year or two years ago, what sort of options Mm -hmm. do they have to leverage what, what they, you know, what they still have, what's there? So uh, I'll speak to a couple different things. There's so first like a bestseller campaign. We we can do. We've done books that are like ten years and older. So like um, when it comes to Wall Street, USA Today, BN, and Amazon, mm-hmm. they're they're just based on sales in a short period of time. So it doesn't okay. matter how old the book is. Um, like if you get five thousand sales in a one week period, you'll probably hit the Wall Street Journal. You know, as long as it's like a nonfiction book. Um, so, so for the, for that case, you know, you could just relaunch essentially, um, for New York times, you really want it to be in the first three months. So if the book's older than three months, the chances are really, really low. Um, so that's for that. But what I'd say is like, if it, it, even if it's not perfectly written for the business, you could still create that business and then maybe edit a little bit inside the book and put in links that go to the funnel. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a whole sales funnel. There, there's so many different methods. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, it's not like there's no hope is what I'll say. You know, like there's definitely ways. And that's what I always tell authors too. Um, Cause I remember this when I first launched my first book, you, you get so nervous, right? Mm-hmm. Like at least that's how it was for me. And a lot of my clients, when we, when we launch or publish them, because they're like, what are people going to think? What if there's a typo? What if there's, I'll tell you, there's always one typo, you know, like the editor will catch almost everything, but even in like traditionally published, like Penguin, Hey, like there are typos in those oh books. Still. Like, like a few, not, I'm not talking like dozens, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like two or three, like the editor always misses one and there's multiple editors. Um, so just knowing, and here's the cool part about that. If you find it, all you do is edit the file. If you self-publish, at least traditional, it's a, probably a way longer process. But um, if you self or hybrid, you just edit the file, re-upload to Amazon. It's fixed in about two days. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing to worry about, really. <laughs> yeah. That's a plus. But but you're saying that they could go in and add those elements to their manuscript that would point people to whatever other resource or funnel that they have. Yeah, just like if there was a typo, you can edit. Mm-hmm. I forget Amazon's rule. There's like a percentage of the book that you can you can edit up to a certain percentage. I think it's pretty high, like forty, literally like forty percent or something. Okay, uh, of the book, and then re-upload it to the same exact um, as if it's the same book. You know, so it's not a new listing, and they'll just accept the new file, and then you just upload, and it's as if nothing happened, right? Okay. So. Yeah, you could do that. Or if that didn't work, then you could do an expanded edition, you know, revised and expanded, which Tim Ferriss did with his four hour work week. Okay. Okay. Got it. So you guys, hope is not lost. You got some options there if you've had a book out and you're trying to do more with it. Um, I know some say that they sold 2,000 copies, but that was mainly off of, you know, speaking or getting out there. But it took a lot of work to to do that mm-hmm. just to make that and... They still want more from it, you know, and I think it's possible just some of the tactics that you're sharing. No, definitely. 
Do you, I'm curious, do you all ever turn away, uh, you know, projects or, you know, books that come across your table? And for what reasons do you guys turn them away? What are you looking for? Great, great question. So we do, but it's really just based on the expectations of the author, right? So okay. when, when somebody from my, well, and there's another part to it too. So first off, like if we're publishing it, like if, if Authors Unite is going to be on the spine and the back cover, you know, then, you know, we're really looking at that pretty hard, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if, mm-hmm. if we're just marketing it and we're behind the scenes, in all honesty, I don't care as much, right? Because it's yeah. not like we're not even known, right? We're just, we're behind the scenes. So, um, and I'm just being transparent with that. Hey, that's, <laughs> like I love it. <laughs> like now when it comes to the marketing though, uh, if a member from my sales team or if I'm taking the call, what I always ask is like, you know, what's the overall goal? And then it, when they tell me if I can get mm-hmm. them to that goal, mm-hmm. um, then I will say, you know, I think we are a good fit. Like I can get you to this thing. In fact, with the bestseller stuff, we literally guarantee it or a full refund. Um, not New York Times is different, but the other four we guarantee or, or a refund. So that's like no risk. Um, and yeah, just as long as we're on the same page with expectations, we'll pretty typically take the client. But to give you an example, if a client came to me and was like, I want to do an Amazon bestseller campaign. And my goal uh, from doing that is to sell a million copies within two months of it hitting, you know, I, I would be like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> First off, um, we can get you Amazon bestseller and you'll probably sell like a thousand copies. Um, but a million, um, no, not likely. So I just want to make sure before I would still offer, but I want to make sure that you understand that the million thing is not going to work. And then if they still wanted to become a client, great. If not, then I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather not have an unhappy client, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather Mm -hmm. lose that money and just keep the business with all happy clients, basically. Absolutely. Now, I love what you mentioned about if Authors Unite was on the spine and it was a thing that, you know, was that you guys really, really backed. Have you done something like that already? Yeah. So we do. We offer publishing as well. It's just okay. So it's okay. Yeah. And that's where like our editors, it's just we have to take it more into consideration. But probably 70, 80 percent of our business is marketing. And it's for publishers that refer us their authors. So like we oh, really I see. All, I see. Like we're just behind the scenes. And and in some cases the author will leave us a review. In other cases, they don't even want it to be known mm. that you know that we were the but, ones okay. that really did it, right? So Gotcha. That was like a side tangent note question of mine. It makes sense. But yeah, like published books, I don't know. At, I think we're at like, we're over 2000 clients now and mm-hmm. like publish is probably only like 200 of them. I see. Um, like, like most of it really is the marketing. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's awesome. So what, what do you feel like is working really well right now for, you know, how authors can generate more revenue from their book? Um, so court, I mean, courses. Yeah. I mean like, mm-hmm. so like, Dan Henry, the Digital Millionaire Secrets book, like I highly advise anybody um, like doing a course, obviously like work with you, obviously, but I'm just saying like to see an example of how he wrote that book and it went in, it just Mm. was so, 
I, I feel it was just so orchestrated, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. I couldn't do it as good as he, like I couldn't like, um, so that, I think that's the biggest thing is really understanding what you're going to use the book for. And like a lot of people that hire us for the wall street, they then turn around and then their speaking fee went from like one grand to like 15, mm-hmm. right. Just because they have that status. Um, so yeah, it's, that's what, and then media opportunities as well, right? Because the media knows to hit these lists, and I'm not Amazon and BN to the side a little bit because those they're they're pretty gameable in in all honesty. Not nothing wrong with it. It's, it's just the way it is. But um, USA Today, Wall Street, New York Times, although they can be orchestrated, you still have to move thousands to tens of thousands of books. So wow. orchestrated or not, it's hard. Um, and the media knows that. So if you hit one of those three, I mean, you can get on some really mainstream, you know, like Fox, CNN, Good Morning America. Like you can be looking at some of those type of hits. So hmm. Hmm. Yeah. there's a lot of opportunity out there for sure. Well, tell me, yeah. I, I was really piqued when you talked about Dan Henry's, uh, you know, his his orchestration. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how it was set up and what you noticed about it that the authors that are listening could you know, take from or think about. Yeah, for sure. So the book, so the book over delivers, right? I, I, I always lean towards that. And I kind of got that from Gary V like give it all away because 99% of people aren't going to do anything with it anyway. Right. So it's not like, I think people have this misconception that people are going to steal your ideas or steal your business or your clients. Like, right. Most People read a book and then they unfortunately don't take action. So I think over deliver and have a happy reader. So first thing, he just so much knowledge in that book on how to uh, essentially market courses is is most of what it's about. Um, and then from there, how he like weaves in his story. And then there's very like um, orchestrated links that go that flow into his funnel. And it kind of almost makes it a no brainer for the person to opt in because it's not like it just went from book to $10,000 course. It goes from like book to training, like a free training, then some other like valuable things, then the course. Um, Right. And one thing I've seen other people do that works really well is like an action guide. Right. So in the beginning of the book, uh, say something along the lines of, if you want to get the most out of this reading experience, I put together an action guide for you. So download it here first before you read mm-hmm. on. And it's almost like anybody who's going to buy your book, obviously they want to get the most out of it. So it's like, it's, it would be almost funny for someone to read that and be like, nah, I just want to get 50% <laughs> out of this. <laughs> right. So, and you can get thousands mm. of you know, with a good strategy like that. So I think it was storytelling, his results, like he, you know, eight figure business and he he can prove it and everything. So obviously very trustworthy. Um, And the orchestration of the links and the funnel being tested prior. So he already had sent cold traffic to that funnel and knew the conversion before we did our work. So he knew like Hmm. the numbers. Wow. That yeah. was very well orchestrated, especially with the data. That just like that just put the cherry yeah. on top, really. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and made what you guys do a lot easier. So that's that's awesome. Such a good story. I think too about there's an author or a YouTube uh, content creator, Alex Hormozy, 
who oh yo yo yeah, like just, his his orchestration is sick on that. Oh my God. And then even for a lead in, like he's basically saying in the book that this book will help you get to your first, what is it? 3 million. And right. once you get there, you know, hit me up because we can help you scale to this because of our systems. And even now in the book, I'm like already on Amazon trying to find the part two book that he's been referencing, right? I'm like, where is that? Because, <laughs> you know, uh, so the book is uh, for those that are listening, $100 million, $100 million offers, yep. how to make offers so good people feel stupid saying no. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> it's amazing. I just literally finished that like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, cause what had happened is, if you, do you know, Frank Kern, yeah. uh, he, he's an internet, mar- so he posted about it. Mm-hmm. And again, so right. This goes back like the word of mouth for, for marketing. Yes. Like that's really what it's about. Um, so Frank Kern, a marketer that I trust posted about it. I buy it. I, what actually happened is I was going through the audio book, just the audio book. And then I started like picking up on things. I was like, no, this is a book that you sit yes. down. And yes. really go in. And then I got the e- the Kindle. I listened. I did the video course. I did his whole thing. I like blocked out my schedule. And then I um, realized, I was like, yes, this guy's genius. <laughs> it's so sense. good. It's so good. I've actually implemented uh, quite a few things that he had in the book into how we build our courses because, you know, it, it's not just instructional design stuff. Like it's not just the curriculum development. You also have to look into the actual like business planning, right? How it fits into other parts of your business and then also the marketing. And so like his book really gave me so much insight that infused uh, what we're able to put together as it's almost like it's an offer within itself is the course, you know what I mean? And all the other components mm-hmm. that fit with it. So reading that, I read it three times, <laughs> was incredible. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I know I should read it again. And for me, the two biggest things was that formula. Um, yes. It's, it's more in the beginning of like the perceived value. Yep. I can't, but you know what I'm talking about, that formula. Yeah, the value, and, value formula or something. Yeah. Like that made it, it, it actually clicked for me. I was like, that's why our bestseller like marketing services sell so much. Yep. Because there's no time for the client. There's no risk. And the chance of success is 100% because we guarantee it. And I was like, that's why they always sell. Because I didn't really exactly know why almost. Like, yeah. um, and the other thing though is the speed. I really mm. like that. He's like, if you want to enter any marketplace, uh, enter any marketplace and create something, just look at the top people in the industry and create something that delivers their result in half the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, it's, it's fast. And then he kind of compared it to like, um, like losing weight, right? So you could like pay a gym 20 bucks a month and lose the weight in a year or get liposuction, pay 25 right. grand, lose the weight that day. Yep. Right. And I was, yep. okay, that clicked. Like that makes sense. It <laughs> so. did. He also, he also compared meditation and Xanax, right? Oh, <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it was just, it was such a good, uh, a good That's breakdown. Good. He's like, I, he says Xanax is a multi-million dollar business, but I don't know of any multi-million dollar meditation. It's <laughs> 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 like, a billion. yeah, billion. Billion, yeah. Bill, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the funniest comparisons because I was like, is he, as I was reading, I was like, is he serious right now? I was like, <laughs> and then he's like, I'm not saying you should take Xanax. Right, right. Like, this, yeah. 
like, you know, that's why they're a billion dollar industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to clean that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's it's so good. And I think, like, again, like those components really go into how authors should approach their work um, and having that mindset of like, how can I uh, have a very high perceived value of this information and then thinking about how it connects to everything else. So. And I know that, too, for a lot of authors, it's like once they have the book out, you know, there's it kind of feels like there's a runway and it ends at some point in terms of what you're able to do to keep the conversation going about your book and to keep people interested and to keep it to be, I don't know, that focal point of attention. So um, how can they keep the conversation going as it relates to their book and, you know, what they're putting out there? So I think um, and I think staying on the topic of Alex is an easy way to answer the question, but. Uh, also, like for my 10 years of doing this, ultimately, like getting the book in as many people's hands as possible is the main goal. And I think that's kind of what Alex did. Right. So he even says, like, he's like, I'm not trying to make money from the book. Like the ebook's 99 cents. That's as low as they'll allow me make to make it. The hardcover, I think, is at break even. Right. Um, it's like 21 bucks, which if he used Ingram Spark, that's probably the lowest they allowed him to do it. Um and the ultimate goal, though, is to use his information, get the three million a year, and then if he's interested, he'll take equity in your company. Um, and he has a series, right? So just like you said, right. um, uh, just like you said, that you were already looking for his second book, which I also did that too. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. So okay, so that's one thing. So it's like hmm. finding activities that can just keep people wanting more but also getting the book in as many people's hands as possible, even if you're not making money from the book or if it's even mm. free, right? Mm. Like if a book club was like, if there was a book club of a hundred thousand people, but they were like, we don't want to buy your book. We want a free PDF. I would say no problem. Like that's the, I really would. Because to me, if there's a hundred thousand people that read it, and it's a PDF. First of all, a PDF reading it is not that pleasurable, especially if it's hundreds of pages. Right. So what would, happen, and what would probably happen is I would send it to them. They would read the first like 20, 30 pages. They'd be like, wow, this is valuable, but I hate the, I hate the way I'm reading it. Let me just go buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they buy it. So um, that's how, and then I think media appearances, right? So just having like everything very um, stacked. So it's like you hit bestseller, you keep those media appearances like weekly or, you know, as often as you can. So it just keeps the conversation flowing. You're getting in front of new audiences um, and deliver it like over delivering. Like mm-hmm. Alex completely over delivers like his course, like he could charge like thousands of dollars for that course and he just gives it for free. So that's why with what you do, right. There's like, there's so many different ways. There's courses, like I said, with my one client that are 10 grand and then there's courses that are uh, like Alex's that are free. Both have their place. Um, but like, what's your strategy? His, he wants equity in companies, you know, mm-hmm. so. Exactly. And that's exactly. Marketing first, marketing first, full circle. Like that's what it is. It's crazy. I, I love this conversation. I feel like we could talk forever, but I do want to be, of course, like sensitive <laughs> to time. So um, let's wrap up. Like, what would you kind of close out as like, you know, uh, last bits of advice for the listeners based on kind of our conversation today and where people can connect with you. For sure. So um, just to emphasize it one more time, it's like marketing first. But uh, what I'd say is a lot of people want to write books and they, they never end up doing it or write a book and they, and they never end up doing it. 
And what I'd say is like, like don't put so much like pressure on yourself. Like I, I just think however you can, whatever is going on in your life, like family, kids, all that work, like if you can block out an hour a day, like an average person can write a thousand words in an hour. So you could have a rough draft done in like two months, like 60,000 words is a pretty sizable book. That's about like, it's about 180 pages, I think, in a typical book. So just break it up and do it, but don't regret it later and not do it. I think that happens to a majority of people. So I'd say, you know, get started. And then um, as far as where I'm at, authorsunite.com is the best place. And then if you want to connect with me directly, um, Instagram's Tyler B. Wagner. Uh, Tyler Wagner is a baseball player, so he took my handle. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll definitely keep all that in the show notes for you guys to check out. Definitely highly recommend uh, connecting with Tyler and, and what he's doing. And my last uh, Spitfire question for you is, when you hear the term, the author's leverage, which is the name of the podcast, what comes to mind for you? What does that mean to you? So the author's leverage, I like this. See, this is why I love this stuff. It's on the spot. Um, so <laughs> the author's leverage, what comes to mind for me is like kind of uh, for some reason leverage is being compared to advantage in my head. So I, I almost feel like it's like listening to this show, you're getting tips and tricks that can really put you ahead of the game that you're not getting in other places. So that's what came to mind. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So thanks again, Tyler, for your time today and sharing this wisdom and knowledge and experience with us. This was awesome. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. That does it for this episode. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Author's Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey. Check out more resources, visit theauthorsleverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, 